So let's dive into an introduction of the book of Revelation. And because I'm on a laptop and not seeing you guys in a in a larger screen, if you've got a, a comment or a question, please interrupt because I might not see you waving um, on a on a smaller screen. So if you guys can be sure you speak up, then that would be awesome. All right. So just to recap, what did we uh, decide about Revelation from last week? That the more we learn about it, the more we don't know. I want to recommend something for all of you. Uh, we don't have enough minutes to do it here. But there is a, a, a group of people called the Bible Project, and they have done two excellent videos, which are sort of an overview of Revelation. And uh, they're real cute the way they do it because they illustrate it with, with drawing in real time. But the scholarship is fairly comprehensive. And if you were to put in your search engine, Bible Project Revelation. There's a part one and a part two video, which are really very good. And I watched uh, uh, them again today, you know, just sort of uh, in preparation. Um, I got up real early because I did teach all day, but um, he does a really good job of acknowledging various viewpoints on the book of Revelation without making a big deal settling on one or the other. Uh, he, he, when he was talking about the millennial reign, he would say some people believe that's it, this, and some people believe it's this. And, and without, you know, landing anywhere, he was uh, faithful to uh, uh, let us know about what the various viewpoints might be. So the Bible project is the name of the group. And if you uh, put in your search engine, Bible Project Space Revelation, it's about 30 minutes worth of video, part one and part two, which I found uh, very helpful just in the, the big picture. Why is Revelation so important? Anybody remember that from last week? Say it again. Because it, it's a clear biblical portrayal of the events of the end times. Uh, now, uh, that's where it gets a little fuzzy because the people who were uh, reading Revelation when it was first uh, uh, released, they expected Jesus to come back any minute. And in a way... Um, I'm sad that we lost that sense of expectation. And in a way, I'm glad that we aren't uh, hunkered down in our basements with freeze-dried food, not doing anything uh, of any good because we're waiting on the rapture. And so the grand judgment on the sinfulness of humanity is what's at center stage in the book of Revelation. Now, do you remember what kind of literature it is? Do you remember the word apocalyptic? 
and that that word is synonymous with the title of the book, which is Revelation. So apocalyptic literature like Daniel, like Ezekiel, like Revelation, that is a genre of literature that reveals. And so the apocalypse is is not the end of the world where pieces of people's faces melt because you saw it in Indiana Jones. It is a a revelation of the way God will work past, present, and future. Now, sometimes we get a little confused because uh, it's very clear that most of Revelation was either present in the first century or future. The, the question that many interpreters of Revelation are asking is, have there been some things fulfilled in the record of Revelation in the time since John wrote it in 95 AD and now? Are we in the church age? Are we in the time between the resurrection and the tribulation? That's what most people believe, is that this is the church age. Some people even believe that this is the revelation, uh, that that this is the tribulation. But uh, I don't want to get in the weeds with that. Um, the book of Revelation is about judgment. But it's more helpful to me to think of the revelation as a bookend. That Genesis is the, the record of the creation of God's intervention into planet Earth and the establishment of all things Earth, including humans. And the revelation is the record of uh, the prophecy of how all things will end. Um, now, when all things will end is not something that I want to get involved with because I'm not a guy that does charts and graphs um, Jesus said in Acts 1 7 that it's not our business to know the times or the mm. epochs of when the Lord will will return. Our job is to live, as one farmer said, to live every day as if he's going to return tomorrow and to live every day as though he's not going to return for a thousand years. So the, the consistency of our walk is not built on trying to catch up on devotion uh, as we await his return, but the letter is specifically referenced to churches, and it uh, it, it identifies the uh, the way we are to live uh, in the meantime. Now, the interest in the Revelation sort of picked up with the Reformation back in 1500. So you you remember that the Reformation was the uh, disturbance in the force uh, with the Catholic Church, and uh, the Reformation was was the reforming of the idea of of selling indulgences and and, and the Protestant uh, Reformation or the Protestant movement is what emerged. And of course, it's uh, for a later discussion. But we Baptists more or less protested the Protestants. Because we, uh, we took it a step further, and that's where we get the distinctives of being Baptist. The autonomy of the local church is a pushback against the hierarchy of the Catholic Church, 
And so when we Baptists say we believe in the autonomy of the local church, we believe in the, the priesthood of all believers, that means we don't uh, answer to a priest. We answer to the Holy Spirit. We believe in soul liberty, that each each person is responsible for their uh, for their own response to the irresistible gospel. Um, so, so Baptists sort of emerged in the 1500s uh, not contrary to popular belief as a descendant of John the Baptist. So we are uh, those who protested the Protestants. And so our view of revelation is, uh, uh, is uh, somewhat of a controversy as well, because uh, Protestants are the ones who have produced uh, charts and graphs and and those kind of things to try to uh, predict uh, what's going on. The charts and graphs approach sort of emerged in the 19th century. And there were, were the three 19th century movements that uh, sort of influenced the way most of us think about Revelation today. One is Mormonism, um, uh, based on a, a made-up text, um, but that it uh, it creates ideas about the Hebrews, the American Indians, and New Jerusalem as Salt Lake City, and so the it's it's uh, um, we don't talk about it much, but we were influenced by the ideas of the Mormons who thought they would create a a millennial community uh, there in Utah. Um, the uh, Seventh Day Adventists come out of a of, of a movement that um, that talked about the preaching the signs of the times, and uh, but as one writer said, Adventists uh, have church splits every time they sneeze. So out of that movement, we have Jehovah's Witnesses and the Worldwide Church of God, the Branch Davidians, uh, a number of other mutations. Uh, and I'll I'll end with this piece of history. The, the influence, the, the most influential movement of the uh, 19th century was uh, Darbyism, or better known as dispensationalism, where uh, uh, the, the, the name uh, is, is based on the idea that um, from the beginning of time, there are, are defined historical periods. Picture a timeline. You, you see my hands. Picture a timeline where there is this dispensation and then this dispensation and and so on, and that the uh, that all of history is divided into dispensation, and that's where the idea that uh, that we are in the the church age, the pre-tribulation church age, and that the rapture would signal the beginning of the tribulation. And that's where we really uh, get off the rails. So that's sort of uh, where we went last week. We talked about the the dispensationalism that was made popular by the Schofield Reference uh, Bible, um, Bible Conference Movement, John Nelson Darby, and uh, that the uh, founding of the Dallas Theological Seminary in uh, the 20s was sort of the uh, the training ground for dispensationalist pastors, John Walvoord, Charles Ryrie, Dwight Pentecost, 
they were all part of that movement. So we, uh, we don't realize how much it affects us, but according to dispensationalism, see if this sounds familiar, the present church age where we are now will be followed by a seven year period of tribulation. Before the tribulation begins, the church will be caught up to heaven where believers will be with Christ until the second coming, which occurs at the end of the tribulation. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if they figure out when the tribulation is seven years after that would be the return of Christ. And so this tradition is called pre tribulation. So, or pre millennialist. So the idea is that the thousand year reign would follow the, second coming of Christ, and that would be uh, the millennial uh, reign. Now, um, I think I admitted last week that I was a bit of a skeptic uh, when it comes to, let's figure out when Jesus is going to come back. Let's figure out who the Antichrist is by doing mathematical computations based on the alphabet uh, of somebody's name. Here's the great Satan. Here's the Antichrist. Um, I, I basically introduced Revelation by saying there's a couple of things that we need to do. Um, first, we need to what I would call re-canonize. The, the, the canon means that this is where Scripture was adopted as Scripture. Unfortunately, more is known about what people say about Revelation than is known about Revelation itself. And when I say we want to recanonize the scripture, I mean we want to go back to the scripture and say what it says and not say what it doesn't say, given all the false prophets, the failed prophecy, the, the interpreters who have made Revelation a joke for late night comedians. We have to be able to uh, not uh, take away from the authority of the book itself with all of our schemes of the signs of the times and uh, the absurdity of the prognostication about the Antichrist without um, taking away from the fact that those things will occur, that there is a judgment that is uh, that will occur. There is a fiery uh, 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 hell for uh, those who have not embraced Christ as Savior. And so while I don't think the pyrotechnic images of Jesus's burning eyeballs or his thermonuclear power rays, uh, I, I do believe that the that the second coming is something that we should uh, speak into. Second thing that I would say about Revelation is that if Revelation is not about the gospel, then it is not a Christian book. So the the New Testament is a clear pathway of Jesus Christ and his uh, activities in and, and around the world. And the book preaches Jesus crucified, or it should never be in the New Testament. And so it is a gospel-centric book. Um, but almost all of us were guided into uh, our understanding of the revelation, not by what it actually says, but why, what people have said about it. Now, 
the imagery in Revelation is not to be ignored, nor is it to be made uh, greater than it is. Yes, the powerful imagery applies to Rome, but the Revelation is not really about Rome. Uh, the, the, the church uh, is, is typified with the seven churches that are mentioned, but we uh, keep in mind that the writer of the Revelation, John, uh, he, he's writing down a dream that, that, that has beasts and, and, and fire and symbol and metaphor and lampstands and bowls and trumpets and beasts and horses. And so the, 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 the symbolism is to be taken seriously, but not to the point that we make really, really bad movies about it. All right. So we said last week that there are four basic ways that we read Revelation. One, preterists. We, they, preterists would read Revelation as written to first century Christians about first century topics. So they would say that that John wrote the Revelation during the uh, reign of Emperor Domitian in Rome, who had put a target on the back of anybody who claimed to be a Christian and uh, was uh, even worse than Nero about the persecution of Christians. And so the, the uh, cryptic uh, imagery in Revelation, a preterist would say that it's written in such a way to hide its meaning from the Roman watchers and yet to inform the church about uh, what God was doing among the churches. What is would that you, word you're saying? Yeah, would you spell? Yeah, would you spell that? Sure. P R E T E R I S T S. Preterists. Preterists. Oh, is that only that was said? Okay. P R E T E R I S T S. So they think it was written to first century churches about first century topics. Historicists, H-I-S-H-I-S-T-O-R-I-C-I-S-T-S. Historicists read Revelation as a sketch or an overview of the history of the church from beginning to end. So we, we think the church of Christ was born in uh, Acts chapter 2, and a historicist would read Revelation as sort of an overview of the church from Acts chapter 2 until the end of time. All right? Preterists, historicists, futurists. A preterist believes that it's written about the past, in the past, Futurists think that Revelation is totally about the future. This is where the charts come in. It's about what will happen and, and how scorpions are helicopters and tanks are great beasts. And, and here's a chart showing when and how. So futurists, it's a, it's a popular approach by speculators. And then finally, idealists read Revelation as timeless images and truths about God, the church, the government, God's plan for the world. 
that's kind of where I land. I'm an idealist because I believe that there are references to Rome. I believe that there are references to um, uh, great countries and empires like Rome, like Britain, like America, like China. There are references to the great empires without necessarily being specific to one or the other. Questions? I still don't get what preterist means or does. I, I'm sorry. Okay, good question. Think of the word pre. Yeah. So a preterist is a first century person. And they think that in 95 AD, John exiled to the cave at Patmos. And some believe he was exiled when he survived being boiled in oil. And so they didn't know what to do with him. So they exiled him to this island in the middle of the Aegean. And that when he wrote about Babylon, he was talking about Rome in the first century. When he talked about the great beasts, he may have been talking about chariots in the Roman Empire. And so he switched back and forth between imagery, but clearly the whore of Babylon was Rome in the, the preterist view. Everything in Revelation is written in the first century about the first century. And so a preterist wouldn't allow that revelation speaks about the end times that are still in the future, either gotcha. a soon future or a distant gotcha. future. Gotcha. Thank you. All right. And which which one of those does the Schofield um, study kind of land? They probably land pretty close to the futurist point of view. Because uh, although, or or maybe it would be the historicists, because they believe that the dispensations uh, mark the eras of the church. So I, I guess they would be more the historicists, uh, because it's a sketch of what God is doing <clears throat> in the present age between the resurrection and the rapture, which is the church age, and and so this is a, a dispensation. This is a, one of the eras in history that they would write about. It's a great oh, question. Go, go over the idealist again. Okay, um, an idealist would say that in Revelation, God in his infinite wisdom led John to record the revelation of Jesus Christ, which okay. is imagery and even history and even uh, uh, future prophecy that speaks of the timeless images about God. So that when he writes to the church at Laodicea, he's writing to the church at Laodicea, yes, but he's writing about all of churches who would take on the characteristics of Laodicea. And so it's a timeless image sort of approach where God is writing about Rome, yes, but he's writing about a government that acts like Rome acted. It's acting like, uh, it's talking about the sin in the culture 
that yes, there was a lot of sin in the culture at Rome, uh, but uh, yes, there's a lot of sin in the culture of America or China or Western Europe or uh, you know around the world that that we we don't have any reason to believe that humans are not going to act like humans, that lost people aren't going to act like lost people, that Christians are going to be hypocrites. And so the, the idealist would read Revelationist and say, yes, this is imagery, but when he gives instructions or a message to the seven churches, we at Dunwoody Baptist Church better pay attention and see those characteristics in us so that we can embrace God's timeless instruction to churches past, present, and future. Thank you. All right. Thanks for uh, kind of walking through with that. We're going to come back to a lot of the symbolism, but for now I want to, uh, to treat it like a uh, more of a traditional Bible study where I look at some uh, some facts and figures and themes and overview before we dive in next week to Revelation chapter one. All right. Uh, big picture. Uh, Revelation is about an unseen spiritual war in which the church is engaged. Okay, so the 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 idea that there are unseen spiritual things of course there are um you know i i would be less than transparent with you if i if i didn't feel like that that the supernatural evil was part of the story of what took my son's life that the the things that God was calling him to do, that Satan was coming against those things. And in my son's life, unfortunately, the evil voices spoke a little more loudly than the voices that were calling him to holiness. And I, I don't want to make more of that. I don't want to blame anything on anything. But I believe that God had a plan for my son's life that he simply resisted. And I, I am one who believes that at least one part of his death was that God was saying to Aaron, okay, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to understand all of God's glory and all of God's plan because you were resisting it to the point of maybe harming somebody else while you were on earth. Now, uh, maybe that's just a father trying to come up with some some storylines, but as a pastor throughout the ages, I've come to embrace that occasionally God allows a death to happen to spare a greater grief. And if we are to believe that, we have to believe that there is supernatural evil at work in our world and that Revelation speaks of this cosmic conflict between God and Christ and then Satan and his demonic allies, whether those are uh, are supernatural or just humans like the emperor Domitian or like some of the uh, the uh, uh, the heinous uh, criminals that we have uh, uh, taken note of in in our times. Yeah, Nelson, you had a question. Okay, um, so 
Revelation depicts that in this conflict, Jesus is the lamb. And the lamb has already won the victory. In other words, everything that's in Revelation is just a realization of what God has done, is doing, will do, do. But all of that victory is set in motion because Jesus went to the cross. And as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he died substitutionary death for all of the people in all of the churches that ever were, that ever were uh, to be. And, and so the Lamb has already won. But the church continues to be assaulted by the dragon, uh, the, the, the evil, the persecution, heresy, uh, affluence, cultural approval. And he gives symbolism to each of those, right? So the, uh, the dragon is uh, the, the uh, uh, complacency of the church. The persecution is the beast. Heresy is the false prophet. Uh, material influence, cultural approval, Revelation calls those a prostitute. And so the symbolism has some real life parallels or, or uh, 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 viewpoints. Uh, so we can't just get lost in the symbolism without knowing that these aren't just mythical science fiction things. These are things that attack the church and people in it even today. And that the spiritual realities that are being revealed in Revelation are helping us to understand that these are things that are to be expected because God saw fit to have John write them down. So we know we're going to experience tribulation and temptation and trials. And whether or not we uh, embrace that the um, that the rapture will signal the tribulation. It will be an intense literal seven-year period. Or if seven, like the number seven, which is so popular in Revelation, uh, is indicative of some uh, period of time that is the perfect or the right period of time for God to refine the church in advance of the second coming of Christ. Now, Again, that is a pre-millennial view. Um, some people believe that the there is no such thing as a millennial reign. They are called amillennialists. Some people believe that the church will be raptured after the millennium, post-millennial. So this millennial reign that is the, the center of revelation the, or the, 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 the main symbol that people understand is that there is a thousand-year period, whether it's an actual thousand years or an allegorical thousand years, we don't know. But what we do know is that there is a period of time where there will be intense tribulation, and there is a period of time where the battle between good and evil is going is to roll on for a thousand years before God brings down the curtain and says the world is coming to an end. The return of Christ, the battle between church uh, and the good and evil, spiritual forces that are supernaturally good and spiritual forces that are supernaturally evil. So some themes that we're going to look at. Again, John wrote this down. I believe that it's John the Apostle. 
I, I think it's the same one who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. I believe he wrote the Revelation. Uh, not everybody believes that. There are some that believe that he was an evangelist uh, who uh, uh, was not uh, one who walked and talked with Jesus, but who arose in the same uh, era with Philip and um, Stephen and the other uh, first century church leaders, uh, and that he was an evangelist who God spoke into this. I the, the tradition in the in the churches that John the Apostle wrote it, and I have no reason to go otherwise. So I accept that John the Apostle wrote it. Um, let me do some key themes. Um, big theme. Through his sacrificial death, Jesus conquers Satan. Okay, the, the church continues to be assaulted, but that at whatever age God sees fit, the realization of what Jesus did on the cross comes full circle and Satan will be banished forever. Second, Jesus is present among churches through his Holy Spirit. So he was present at Laodicea. He was present at Pergium. He's present at Dunwoody. He's present in gospel-centric churches, churches that, that love him and follow him, that seek to be passionately like him and transformative in their homes, church, community, in the world, that, that Jesus is present in churches through the power of the Holy Spirit. He knows our trials. He knows our victories. He, he uh, informs our vision. Third, world history is under control of God, of Jesus, the victorious land. Hurricanes, natural disasters, tornadoes, tectonic shifts, climate change. There is nothing that is outside of the control of our sovereign God. Now, here's an interesting one. A theme of revelation is that God is holding back the worst of the worst. That for whatever reason, the enemy's efforts to destroy the church are being thwarted for now. That, that God is, is not allowing Satan to, it, it's about like uh, uh, when uh, in the book of Job, when Satan said, uh, I want to mess with Job. And God said, you can mess with him, but you can't kill him. And, and the, Satan is messing with the church, but God is holding back the worst of the worst. Number six, believers will continue their faithful testimony to the death. Whatever age, the dragon, the beast, whatever age, the trumpets, the bowls, the, the four horsemen, whatever age those things appear, there will be a remnant of the church that remains faithful. Now, when I said number six, some of you looked at your list and said, I missed one. So let me go back I over. <laughs> yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. I know, oh, I know you people. I know that you are listening. Oh, that John was the <laughs> apostle wrote it. I didn't make that one. All right. Number one theme. 
Jesus has conquered Satan. Okay. All right. Number two theme. Jesus is present among the churches. Okay. Number three theme. World history is under God's sovereign control. Number four theme. God is holding back the worst of the worst. Number five theme. It is accurate to say that present disasters are warnings of increasing judgments yet to come. That if the world is getting warmer, it's not near as warm as it's going to get. If hurricanes are increasing, that shouldn't surprise us. If wars are increasing, if Jews and Arabs are never going to get along with one another, if we're going to continue to see empires rise and fall, it shouldn't surprise us. Present disasters are warnings of increasing judgments to come. And then number six, there will be a remnant of believers who are faithful to the end. Yeah, Nelson, be sure you unmute. Unmute your mic. I've been a reluctant depth studier of uh, Revelation for some reasons, but don't the Millennium Kingdom, you know, or what we come back with him after the rapture, and isn't there a thousand years, you know, or or some period where we are back, you know, with him, and they're, you know, and he's shackled, isn't Satan shackled for a period? Yes. But there's still are people getting born and can, you know, I I don't know. I I, I just didn't really catch that as we were going through, because I I always sort of put a thing, uh, you know, uh, we're going to come back to me for some period of time, you know. Right. And, we're, we're, and, we're not sure what will happen in that period of time. Yeah. And we're really not sure um, those who embrace the rapture would say that the church is raptured prior to that thousand year reign. And then the church will return with Christ to do battle. Yeah, in the, in the, in, you know, and uh, I mean, I, I sort of, you know, said, well, you know, maybe I can't understand eternity, but it seems like there's going to be a better thousand years or a period of time, you know, right. when we're right. here that. Uh, uh, you yeah, know, I, think, I think I think the it, point is that there will be a separation of the sheep and the goats. Yeah, there okay. there will be a, those who. Whatever the mark of the beast is, whatever the the uh, refusal to uh, remain faithful, whatever that is, it will it will shake out in that thousand year or whatever that period of time is, and at the end of that that period of time, God will say that's enough, and Satan will be bound and cast into the lake of fire. I but think isn't, isn't he somewhat shackled in that thousand years? Yes, yes. There, there is a uh, a 
a clear sense that the gospel prevails. Yeah, okay. But you know, there are still it's some people that... It's a little confusing that, there, but, you know, I always yeah. would sort of say, and maybe it was wrong, that I can't understand possibly a complete eternity, but I can't understand a thousand years of right. better things than we've got now. Correct. Is Correct. that wrong? And, and then the, then we we also turn to the the message of revelation that clearly says it's going to get worse before it gets better that that there is um uh that 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 tribulation um unless you believe that the tribulation happens while the church is in heaven uh before uh Jesus returns with the church um uh, the almost all the indications are that that the church will experience tribulation, whatever that looks like. Did I just make it worse? It's, it's <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, it's that's what's so uncertain. The imagery, um, and Jennifer, y'all just did Revelation in uh, uh, community Bible study, didn't you? It's been a few years. It's been at least five or six years, actually. What was the take in community Bible study on this timeline thing? So the the perspective of that we um, looked at was really looking at the glory of God and looking just really not delving into the premillennial, postmillennial that those um, perspectives seem to divide us as Christians. And so we looked at more of the things that would unify us, you know, the themes that you're talking about, that there's a quickening, there's a, the, the labor pains, the, um, the, the, the persecution, the sin, you know, and, and God's glory and um, the lamb who is worthy. Yeah. Okay. So kind of wrapping up tonight next week we're going to dive into chapter one and we'll begin to deal with all of these things week by week <clears throat> the the book itself is addressed to the churches okay he he, he does us a a solid favor here in that he gives us just in the first three chapters he he says the the revelation of Jesus Christ given to John addressed to these churches. Now, I think I showed you that I pasted a map in my Bible. There was some white space right there at the beginning of Revelation. And I pasted a map of Western Turkey because that's where these churches are. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thetyra, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. And uh, Philadelphia is somewhat, um, uh, well, all of these churches are somewhat vague in terms of their exact geographical location, with the exception of Ephesus. Um, did anybody go to Greece uh, with the trip that we did a few years ago? Uh, we went to Ephesus. And that is on the western coast where the coastline of Turkey comes uh, uh, to the Aegean Sea, almost directly latitude across the Aegean Sea from Athens. And so 
all the rest of the seven churches are spread out in what we would call today Asia Minor, uh, but almost all in the, the country we now call Turkey. Each of these seven churches received a message that was directly uh, applied to them. So in chapter two and in chapter three, before John launched into his account of the future, he said, here is a word for the churches. And in all of those instances, uh, Jesus writing through John said, I know your deeds. Now, that, that, that would be a place that, that I guess I could stop. I won't. I've got a few more things to, to talk about tonight. But, but the idea that Jesus knows the deeds of Dunwoody Baptist Church. And as a pastor, I go, okay, if Jesus was writing to my church and he said, I know your deeds, would he say that you are neither hot nor cold? Would he say that you have left your first love? Would he say that the, the works you do are profitable? Uh, you're, you're focusing your energies in the right places. And, and too often we get lost in all the beasts and the trumpets and the bowls. And we, we sort of run right past that the book is addressed to these churches. The vision of the future is for these churches. And each of these churches has a corrective that the writer of Revelation wants to prescribe. So if the writer of Revelation, if John is writing at the end of Domitian's reign, um, the, the temple is still uh, a, a memory. Um, and so... These uh, these revelations or these messages or visions are in sort of a cycle in the book of Revelation. And that's that's where I would end tonight is that there are 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 four sets of seven messages. So there are seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. And then there's a general movement from the things that are to the things that will take place after this. But John does go back and forth in his symbolism uh, between things that are and things that have been and things that will be. All right, gang, I'm going to end there uh, because I'm going to dive right in next Wednesday to the prologue which is chapter one. And, uh, and and from here on, we will be in sync with the Wednesday before being the deep dive into the scripture that we will handle on Sunday. Any questions? <laughs> That's a dumb question. <laughs> of course there last, are questions. Last Last year, you had it put in the bulletin about the the Bible study, pastor's Bible study, and and listed the chapters that we were going to be in. Or okay. that could sure. you, could could you do that again? That would help. Glad to, glad to. Thank you. 
um, we, we, we certainly will. We'll make sure that in the, uh, the place where you click the link to get in here, that we will also have a, um, uh, a, a description of the chapters that we're going to be looking at. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. I love the crowd. Good to see all of you. Um, even if I'm only looking at your names, but, uh, I love the technology that allows 105 degrees in Brownwood, Texas to reach out to 80 <laughs> degrees in Atlanta, Georgia, where you guys are cool and calm and collected. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.